This is Kappa Go for January 23rd, 2023. Keep up to date with the important happenings in the Go community in just 15 minutes per week. I'm Shai Nechmad. And I'm Jonathan Hall. And welcome to our inaugural number zero, index zero, not out of bound error episode. I'm um, excited about this. Yeah, this is pretty exciting. Uh, let's right. jump into the news. So are there any official releases since the last episode? All of them. So yes. we're not going to do that. Uh, but let's talk about recent releases. Yeah, so the most recent official release, uh, stable release, uh, came out on January 10. So it's been two or three weeks. Uh, Go 119.5 and 118.10 were both released simultaneously. And you know, I just went through the uh, milestones on both of those this morning, and there wasn't anything very exciting. No, no major CVEs or major bugs. It was a lot of little architecture-specific bug fixes and some backports from 120 work. So a lot of bug fixes. Nothing that really deserves a huge shout out, but it's probably a good idea to update to those. Yeah, n- nothing in particular that stands out, but uh, a shout out to the ongoing small amount of uh, work that keeps this ecosystem alive. Definitely. Um, so let's get to more exciting stuff and talk about upcoming releases with actual big features that we can yes. wax about eloquently for just a few minutes. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, so go on 20 is going to introduce a lot of interesting changes. Um, let's start with errors. Yeah, so it's going to have this uh, concept of wrapping multiple errors, which is something I've I've actually sort of hacked my own together uh, on many applications. Um, and they chose an interesting way to do it. Uh, rather than adding a new method to the errors interface, they're, they're just, I, 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 dare I say, overloading the unwrap method. <laughs> it's not really overloaded, but... Uh, they're adding, adding an alternative signature to the unwrap method that returns a slice of errors. So now you can unwrap multiple errors. I don't know how much detail we want, want to go into on that. So I think it's at least important to give a historical view where you had um, HashiCorp. They had a library that did that. I think it was called a multi-error. Uh, and Dave Cheney had his, had his own lib that solved that. Um, and obviously, this is a problem that everybody's faced where they want to you know, process a list of requests and they, you know, the second one fails, and they have seven to go through. So they just want to f- like file the error to the side um, and get back to it on a later date. Uh, but no one wants to roll out their own func- function signatures with list of errors because everybody likes if error different from nil, and it just works. So I think it took a really long time for uh, the ecosystem to catch up, but it's not like you didn't have uh, alternatives in the meanwhile. What I'm concerned about in this, well, I don't want to say concerned. You know, this is great. This is a good improvement. Uh, well done all around. But um, what I'm concerned about is the ability of people to use this structure in a way that doesn't make their code horrible. Because <laughs> recently, up until now, when you had to wrap errors, uh, multiple errors, you had to think about it. It wasn't like out of the box. And then you'd suddenly think about, wait, do I actually want to process everything? Do I want to short circuit the loop? And now I think that, you know, it's going to autocomplete to the, all right, let's wrap, let's wrap, let's wrap. People's code, they'll just think about this part even less. Yep. Uh, and it will also become sort of boilerplate where if error, return error, if error, return error. So now it's wrap, error, wrap, error, wrap, error, and return. Might be good, might be not. I think it, it's still worth being attentive to. But definitely good to get into the standard library instead of uh, choosing random libraries. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what's next? 
So next up is memory arenas. And I think you know a lot more about this than I ha- I do because I-, I think you've actually been researching this. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about memory arenas? Yeah, I, I did my homework. Um, and like always, it wasn't worth it. It's a very specific niche feature that's not relevant to you if you're a back-end developer and you know your cloud costs. You can cut them by half just by noticing what you're running. But if you're running Go on, you know, small devices and you're worried about the garbage collection thing. Everybody remembers that Discord article. I'll mention it just if you don't remember it. Uh, Discord put out an article called Why We Switch from Go to Rust, um, where they basically put a screenshot of the garbage collection running every two minutes, showed the spike, and were like, this is not acceptable for our use case when we need people to see if things are marked as red or not all the time and not just like, um, you know, in two-minute spikes. So memory arenas are a way to manually like pick for a function a part of the memory that the GC doesn't have to worry that much about. It's basically an automatic, uh, uh, sorry, a manual free, um, like malloc and free, um, which sounds great and in reality will improve CPU performance for memory intensive applications where you have a ton of small identical objects that you need to load into memory in one function, just do something with all of them, you know, summarize them, do some statistics, whatever, and then you can drop all of them. However, uh, looking at the actual feedback uh, towards this feature, it's obviously useful to some people if you already have Go in your stack or whatever. At least in Reddit, people were very negative and they were like, we don't care about this specific performance thing. We don't want to manually malloc and free. And if you're already doing like small device, you really care about the kilobytes, really care about the CPU, you have other languages where garbage collection is not a problem, so you don't have to do these workarounds. If you really want to get into the nitty-gritty, just use C++. And if you don't want to do garbage collection at all, you have the shiny new alternative, Rust, which is exactly what happened at, at Discord. Granted, that was a long time ago, and a lot of their points are now less valid. Um, so that's the feature. You can decide a part of the memory, designate this an arena, and that arena is manually uh, for that function. You can uh, malloc stuff and free stuff, uh, and the GC doesn't have to worry about it, so it does less in the two-minute spikes. That's, in in a nutshell, the feature. Nicely summarized. I think I will ignore that feature. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely fun to play around with. It's not relevant for many use cases, exactly. but you know, it's it's something good to have in the in the back pocket. Oh, we have memory problems. Maybe we can think about memory arenas. Right. Right. Well done. Uh, cool. So we talked about official releases and we talked about upcoming releases. Um, are there any other major news? In the community. So I haven't found any other CVEs or other major releases uh, this week, although we'll try to keep our eyes open for those and keep you informed in the future. However, uh, the Q1 2023 Go developer survey is out, and everybody listening should take it. Yeah, 100%. If you heard what we have to say so far, you're definitely opinionated about Go, and your opinion is probably very valuable. Uh, Walking through the survey, it's uh, like it was in the previous years. First questions are mostly about bucketing you into, you know, your how do you use Go. And I really like the first question, or at least how it's uh, phrased. Um, The first question is, the following apply to me. Select all that apply. And the first option is, I program at work in Go. 
Second question, second option is I program at work in another language. And third option is I program in Go outside of work. And I think this question is really, really interesting to the, you know, the questions afterwards, which are about your development experience, what libraries are you using, what you're actually developing, et cetera, to sort of bucket the enterprise concerns or people who have money writing on Go doing uh, mm -hmm. things well to people who like the language, maybe use it outside of work, maybe use it as a hobby, maybe use it as a student. Who like the, their opinions are very valid, and it's really important to keep that community alive as well. It's just very different uh, concerns. It's important to remember that Go, you know, it did come out in an enterprise context. It's not like a, a side project that uh, evolved. Yep. So I think this is a, a really good indicator of, um, you know, this is a really good survey design. I yeah. Think. Uh, for me, it's uh, checking all three boxes and then moving on to the actual questions. Now, we're not going to go one by one, um, but we highly encourage you to answer the survey yourself. Definitely. Uh, and if you found any interesting uh, questions or whatever, you can uh, talk to us, which is, yes. I think, a pretty good opportunity to mention sort of how to talk to us. Yes, that's a great idea. So uh, first, of course, uh, go.dev slash blog is where you can find the survey. At present, it's the top item at, at, on the page. Um, uh, but yeah, you can reach us at news, uh, e by email, at news at cupogo.dev. Send us your news items or feedback of any sort. You can also find us on Twitter and on Mastodon. I'll have links to both of those uh, in the show notes and on our website, which is cupogo.dev. Yes. Cool. Are there any interesting conferences coming up? Yeah, you know, there's a ton of conferences. Should I sign up to anything? <laughs> you should. Uh, you know, I, I think you especially should submit an RFP to GopherCon Israel. That's true. That's true. Um, so I'm going to be talking in GopherCon Israel. Uh, the talk is going to be in Hebrew. So if you speak Hebrew, Alan Manishma. Uh, if uh, not, I might be able to get up some closed captioning or whatever. <laughs> um, so it's coming up real soon, February 7th, a day before the survey closes. So you, while listening to me, you can answer the survey. Uh, and I'll be there with uh, someone from my team talking about uh, protobuf and gRPC, how we uh, sort of embedded that throughout our entire architecture. Um, and if the lecture goes well, we might talk about it in another episode. And if you never hear about it again, it probably didn't go re <laughs> really well. Well, here's to hoping we hear about it again then. Yeah, and other than my conference, which obviously everybody already signed up for, bought tickets, flying yes. into Tel Aviv. Yeah. <laughs> other than that, uh, GopherCon uh, in uh, San Diego, it, uh, the, the CFP is open, call for uh, papers, until March 13. So if you're in the San Diego area or want to be uh, in September when the conference occurs, be sure to submit your RFP. Um, and if you're going to be there and don't want to submit an uh, I said RFP, CFP, mm -hmm. um, if you're going to be in the area and just want to listen to all the lovely people who did submit theirs, uh, September 26th through 29th is the conference date. And I believe tickets are already on sale. If not, they will be soon. So that's GopherCon San Diego. I would say that the San Diego GopherCon is the the main one, right? I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should fly out and do an episode. Let's see yeah, how the podcast does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, but if I want to stay closer to continental breakfasts, yes, then we also have GopherCon Europe, which is uh, coming up. Uh, the dates are June 26 through 29 in Berlin, which is a little bit closer for me. It's about an eight hour drive if I were to drive there. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and CFP is open until February 26th. So you have just over a month if you want to speak in Berlin at GoForCon Europe. So cool. Hope to see you there too. So I think this pretty much covers the news of our show. Uh, if you just want to catch up on the interesting tidbits that you can share with uh, you know, your coworkers or your fellow students, um, these were it. These are the conferences. There's the survey, these are the new features, and these are the new releases. Uh, however, if you want to stick around for our next section, um, actually, Jonathan and I are going to sort of interview one another so you can get to know us a little better. Before we do that, we must mention today's sponsor, which doesn't exist because it's a first-time episode, yeah. so we don't have sponsors. So if we had one... Wink, wink. I'm looking at you, every single VPN provider in the world. Um, <laughs> but we're, we'll only take VPNs who have at least some of their backend written in Go. Like we have to right, stick right. to some, you know, professional integrity. Yeah. yeah, we want your money, but you have to, you have to at least uh, wink at Go. Yeah, embrace the Gopher. Uh, <laughs> so instead of a sponsorship uh, for someone who's paying to us, we just picked an open source project which we um, wanted to shout out. Uh, something I learned about recently, I haven't had the chance to play around with yet, but I really, really want to, uh, PocketBase. So PocketBase is an open source project which basically takes Firebase, AWS Amplify. How do these words make you feel, Jonathan, when I say Firebase, integrate um, with Firebase, integrate with yeah, Amplify? I don't know. It uh, makes me feel a little bit icky, um, like like I have to learn uh, iOS development or something. Yeah, it's it's a lot of stuff to learn. And it's frameworks yeah. and CLIs and, and a lot of stuff to work. And it's really, really tied to a specific cloud vendor. It's great. Like, I just deployed uh, something on Amplify recently. Um, I mean, it works. But I really like PocketBase. It's written in Go. And it basically takes the Firebase paradigm, the sort of entire platform as a service, into a single Go binary that you can build and run. Mm close to where you're running. Maybe if you have a hobby project, that's a really, really good way to get it uh, started. On a super cheap server, if you have a rack laying around at home or if you have some credits left over, uh, you know, before you shut down your startup in the first year, you want to you wanna find something to put the credits into, um, you can take PocketBase. And I really like the fact that there is an open source offering that competes with seemingly huge projects like Amplify and, uh, and Firebase. So if you f do full-stack web development, consider PocketBase for your, for your next base as a service, uh, you know, a DB, user authentication, data modeling, et cetera, et cetera. All right, Shai, I want you to tell me a little bit about your name because before we recorded, uh, I mispronounced your name. And you corrected me and told me it was a great story. So we're going to tell the story on the air. Tell me about your name. Yeah, so I think uh, people who program will specifically appreciate this story um, because it has to do with uh, naming and formatting and abbreviations. Uh, and, you know, we know that uh, there are two things hard in uh, computer science, naming things, cache invalidation, and off-by-one errors. Yes. Um, so my name is Shai. In Hebrew, it's spelled uh, Shin Yud, which is basically the first, uh, like, S-H and then A-Y. Um, and I have a middle name. It's Shai Yaakov. So the first letter of my middle name connects with the last letter of my first name. 
And when I spelled my name in English, I thought it would be neat to like have it carry over and Yaakov in English spelled with Y. So I did it and I didn't realize that that means that every time I spoke to an English speaking person, they would call me Shay and then I'd have to go through this whole rigmarole that we just went through and the take that was just deleted and you, dear listener, will never hear. And I was like, no, that's not my name. Uh, but yeah, that's my name, Shai. Uh, now, Nechmad is also pretty fun. Uh, it just means nice. Literally translates oh. to nice. Um, Very nice. And Shai Very translates nice. to gift. So my name literally means nice gift. And my parents didn't that's... realize this until last year. Whoa. Yeah, that was, that was a tough conversation. Um, <laughs> so that's me. That's my name, Shai Nechmad. Um, and how about you, Jonathan? Yeah, so my name isn't as interesting, but I my parents tell me that the name Jonathan means a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So it's not a nice gift, but it is a gift. Um, I don't know how actually how accurate that is because if you look up baby names, especially in, in English, you get twenty five different meanings for each name usually, and some are religious and some aren't, and you get all these weird different. Yeah, things. but Jonathan, Jonathan from you know from yeah. the Bible, uh, I get yeah. to take credit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, so cool. Um, other than our names, let's. I want to sort of interview you, get to know you a little better, also yeah. so our listeners could get to know us a little better and make this whole podcasting experience a little more intimate. Uh, so you know uh, what you're, who you're listening to. Um, let's get started with what is going on with this podcast. This was entirely your idea. What are your plans? What's going on here? Yeah. What sort of great, racket great are question. you running, Jonathan? <laughs> This is my plan to take over the world. Not sure. I, I haven't figured out the third step yet. I know that the step one is a podcast. Step three is take over the world. That middle step is the one I'm still working on. But uh, basically, I I looked around. I wanted a, a Go podcast um, that would help me keep up with the community. Uh, and, and the reason I felt like I wanted that was because I, I'm, I'm a co or co organizer of my local go meetup group here in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Um and it's it's not uncommon that somebody asks me a question about one thing happening in the go community I'm like, "Huh? What's that? I don't I don't I don't know." Like, you know, what if there was an easy way to keep up with you know, the important things happening, especially when it comes to releases and upcoming releases and you know, discussions around things that didn't require a huge time commitment. So, my solution was to take on a huge time commitment <laughs> and produce a podcast. <laughs> very, very programmy of you. Oh, there's yes. this manual task which will take me two minutes every day. Let's automate it in a 10-hour development uh, cycle. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yes, yes. Hopefully, though, the rest of you who are having the same sort of thoughts I was won't need that huge time commitment. So that that's the promise of, of the episode, as, as I see it, or of, of the podcast, is keep up to speed with the Go community in 15 minutes a week. Cool. By the way, you're saying our listeners want to have a huge time commitment. I promise you that like tw- there's everybody's enjoying, but there's a twenty percent who are already like opening, you know, a uh, go side project that's feeding in RSS and taking the episodes, downloading them into yeah. their server. Where another server, oh no, it's crashing. It should like <laughs> relay it to my phone. <laughs> like, I, I yes. think we actually I'm like sure the the time commitments. Yeah. Well, that's really cool, and I'm really happy that I got caught up in the crossfire. Um, but other than wanting to keep up with Go in general, um, what is your like? Why do you care about Go? What What do you do? What do I do with Go? Um, like in general, 
Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I'm kind of between uh, contracts right now, but generally speaking, I help companies improve their software delivery. Um, so I, I kind of have a double-sided career, if you will. I'm, I'm heavily involved in Go programming. Um, I have a few open source projects I work on and, and, and maintain. And then I also um, try to be as language agnostic as possible when helping teams and you know improve CI/CD and think of better ways to deliver software. Uh, so I work in sort of a consulting uh, space in that regard. Um, but I, I like Go a lot. Uh, one of the main reasons I like Go is because it's so easy for uh, relative newcomers to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of a an equalizer, if you will, among juniors and seniors working on the same team together. I think that the low barrier to entry uh, to Go might have been one of the reasons it's caught up so fast. Um, and honestly, it hasn't come at a huge cost. The language is pretty verbose, uh, but it is pretty simple. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it it makes a lot of sense. Um, well, that's great. Um, if you you said you love Go, right? Um, I would say so, I, I've yeah. heard people yeah. say when you love something, you got to let it go. If you had to remove a feature from the language, who's who's on the short list? What's on the short list? Oh, I'm I'm so glad you asked because actually I, I have a, a Go related YouTube channel and I just uploaded a video today called 10 things i hate about go <laughs> <laughs> so number one the thing that the first thing i would remove from go if i could is naked returns i absolutely hate naked returns other than puritan reasons <laughs> i think they hurt readability oh that actually makes sense because yeah. you don't understand what's like what's gonna what's gonna happen yeah i mean if it's a really short function it doesn't hurt readability very much but I, I've never seen it improve readability, and I've only seen it hurt it. So I think it should just go away. I think that it makes sense. Uh, you know, if you like Go, then you like verbosity. You like things to be written out and say. Yeah. There's a great talk by the person who did GoKit. Ah, I forgot that guy's name. Peter Virgin. Um, okay. Where he says uh, one of the great things about Go compared to Python, for example. Now, this is not a. I'm not here to you know rain on other languages' parade. Of course. Uh, but just in comparison is that when you read a line, you you know what's going to happen, right? Like yeah. it's very, very easy to read a line and directly translate it to the machine code that's going to run. Um, so you would remove naked returns, and I think Peter would, would thank you for it. Um, <laughs> on the other side... Um, you know, you said you want to be language agnostic, so you flirt around with other languages. What features so, would you yeah. add? Uh, I, I, I would like more functional programming features in Go. You know, I like the mixed paradigm. You know, JavaScript, I, I, as much as I dislike JavaScript for other reasons, I like that it has this mixed paradigm that you can easily switch between um, you know, functional and object-oriented and so on. And now that we have generics in Go, I think that this is a lot more attainable. Uh, so I, I think we'll start to see some more functional paradigms in Go, and I'm looking forward to that. There's the, there's a lot of people who are really into functional programming, and I think that if Go offered more out of the box functional stuff, we could we could steal some more crowds. You know, we could take the closure people in, and they're pretty they're pretty yeah. nice usually. We could take maybe even some of the Node people in, even though you know they'd have to learn how to behave types and compilation <laughs> and stuff. Uh, all right, if you know, you dreamed up this podcast, and and uh, now it's happening. Who's your dream guest? Who's coming on to? Because right now I'm the guest, which is uh, probably anticlimactic for you. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I, I enjoy talking to people. I've, I've been hosting a couple of other, other podcasts for a couple of years now, and I, I the best guests are often people I've never heard of. So it, it's not like I necessarily have this, uh, you know, starstruck eyes or whatever. So not Beyonce. Meeting someone. That's what you're saying. Well, <laughs> I, I now mean, that you think about it. it. <laughs> give us a call. Yeah, uh, give us a yeah. call. Uh, which is a good that opportunity a to say uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, you know. It's hard to get the word out, uh, and we want to get into the community. So be sure to leave a rating, which really helps, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, and if you have something you want to share with us, for example, Beyonce, if you want to talk to us and come uh, be a host, DiCaprio, you're also, you're also welcome. Uh, send us an email at uh, news at cupofgo.dev. That is news at cupofgo.dev. Awesome. All right, Shag, can I ask you some questions? Go ahead. Shoot. Why are you on this show? Um, so I'm a part of a, a Slack community called Rands, which is really, really has been a great source of information for me for many topics. It's this Slack community where a lot of leaders from the tech space congregate and talk about stuff from you know data platforms and engineering leadership and whatever. Um, and I saw your message, and I was like, "All right, you send the message where you want to start a Go podcast for the aforementioned reasons." Um, I have this awesome mic lying around. I don't know if the listeners. I'll get real up close up and personal. I have this really good microphone lying around. <laughs> Uh, from my high school days where I had a recording studio. So I thought I finally wanted to put it to good use. And here Very we cool. are. Here we are. And we happen to be in almost the same time zone, which made it convenient. We're just an hour off from each other. Yeah, you're in Amsterdam. Uh, yep. I'm based in Herzliya. It's next to Tel Aviv, which you probably heard of in Israel. Um, yep. So, yeah. Super. Not and not in do... the EU, but in the yep. Eurovision. So close, close enough. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, so what do you do professionally? Are you using Go on a daily basis? Uh, yeah. So my current job is founding engineer at Rico AI. Shout out to Rico. It's my current workplace. Um, I've been there for the last two and a half years. Um, it's a startup in the SaaS security space uh, where there's a huge explosion recently. You probably heard about um, you know, a lot of data security companies and cloud security companies and whatever. Uh, we're one of them. We're the best, though. Um, and of course. I've been there from the very start. Unless the others want to be sponsors. Then, yeah, then yeah. We're all good. The, like if one, Daz, uh, <laughs> Wiz, Orca, uh, Centra, if you're listening, um, we'll take any sponsorship you can give. But only if you use Go in the back end. Uh, <laughs> So uh, I've been there for the last two and a half years, um, started as the founding engineer and was the VP of R&D for uh, two years almost. And recently I've moved back to being hands-on uh, engineering. And, you know, this sort of goes hand in hand with doing this podcast, which is exactly the, you know, after two years of basically management, uh, I want to get back into the nitty-gritty. So a good way to do that is to actually learn about the new features and how are they useful, et cetera, et cetera. So we've both taken uh, <clears throat> breaks from hands-on and done management work in the past. I, I didn't mention that in my intro, but I've, I've done management work for 
several companies for a while too. What do you miss most when you're not coding? When you're in that management role, what do you miss the most about coding? So I think it's sort of two sides of the same coin. I started as a developer uh, in the army, uh, as many people in Israel, uh, you know, get their their career started when I was eighteen, um, mm-hmm. and I was in the army for six years, oscillating between uh, like commander, which is basically manager, um, and hands on. And then when I was discharged, I worked for Infection Monkey as a tech lead, started hands on, and then onboarded some more engineers to the project, and then back again to founding engineer at Rico, then VPRD, now founding engineer again. So this have been this has been a pendulum that has been swinging throughout my career. And on the extreme ends, I miss exactly the same things. Uh, when I'm managing, especially you know large operations with many many people, what I miss uh, most is just focus hours sitting. You know, I'm a night owl. I could sit until 4 a.m. just programming and hacking away at a difficult problem and trying to figure out the best solutions. Um, specifically, if it's coding, it's just so rewarding to have that, like, instant feedback loop, which obviously you get with Go because, you know, yeah, you write your test and everything runs fast, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, and on the other end of the spectrum, you know, when I'm fully hands-on and, and I get all the focus hours I want, the thing I miss most is having no focus hours, jumping between small thread to small thread to small thread, this initiative, this person, this talk, this whatever. Um, so I think that this is a pendulum that's going to keep on swinging. Uh, but right now I'm really enjoying the focus hours, just like sitting and grinding away at a, a big problem. We're working on a new big service at work right now uh, with a lot of moving parts. Uh, loading V8 in a Go backend service and managing data so that the product team can change it without re-releasing and watching changes and webhooks, blah, 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 and scale, whatever. Um, and I think it's really it's really fun to just have a big, big problem and, and chunk away at it bit after bit after bit, hour after hour after hour. Um, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. So you had this microphone from high school. Tell us a little bit about your... Uh, your studio history. Why do you have this microphone? So I uh, am a musician as well. Not a professional one, just a hobbyist. I've been in a couple of bands. And one of the things I used to do, and if you dig you know, deep enough in the internet, I'm not going to really point people towards the link, but if you dig deep enough, you can <laughs> find videos of me from like 14 shouting on stages in Jerusalem, which is where I grew up. Um and, you know, my family was very supportive, so they bought me this uh, recording equipment, this specific microphone. I got, I think, secondhand from someone, so it's uh, it's been going pretty strong. I don't remember which one is it. I think it's, yeah, Rode, Rode NT1A, uh, okay. which is great. Um, Should be a good one, yeah. And I've been recording, you know, I did some stuff for money, uh, but mostly uh, friends and random songs and joke stuff and whatever, including the theme song, which you listened to in the beginning of this episode. Awesome. Very cool. Do you have any big dreams or hopes for this, uh, this podcast other than getting great sponsors and meeting Beyonce? Um, so jokes aside, I really, really want people to reach out and, uh, say, Hey, I listened to the podcast. That was interesting. Here's some stuff. Um, the most 
the best feeling I had after uh, doing the last, uh, uh, you know, we have a Go chapter in Israel, um, run by the great uh, Miki Tabeka, shout out to Miki, um, is that, you know, so after the talk, people stay and they're like, they want to ask questions. And, you know, the cleaners already want to run you out of the place and you're still, like, talking about the, the lecture. And then they reach out over email or over Twitter and, and keep the conversation going. Uh, so my hopes for the podcast is to just get a lot of conversations going, not even necessarily with me, just within the community. I think uh, right. usually this discourse is very satisfying for the person who's knowledgeable and can, you know, give extra uh, value and very teaching and, and valuable for the person who comes with maybe less experience or with the questions, they can just get their answers, you know, in a very community e space. Uh, like they say about children, you know, a lot of uh, program, it takes a village. Like you want people yeah. to talk about, uh, you want people to talk about your program, about your problems, about uh, what you need to learn, where do you need to go next. Uh, so I hope this uh, will spark a lot of that. And if it's with me, extra, extra wonderful. Wonderful. I, I agree. I, I would love to to make this part uh, a useful part of the Go community. Um, if you're listening and you have ideas how to improve, uh, of course, get in touch. Again, news at cupogo.dev. We'd love to hear from you. Suggestions, news items, um, anything you have to say. Swear words are also welcome, but we do prefer uh, more constructive criticism rather than negative criticism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anything is better than nothing. Yeah. There's no such thing as a bad publicity until someone, you know, pushes a vulnerability in your uh, Go package. Right, right. <laughs> All right. So I think that pretty much sums it up for our f inaugural episode. I'm also completely done through my cup of coffee here. So my coffee has gotten cold. Yeah, it's time to go get a refill. All right. So thank you very much for listening and hope to see you next week. Until then. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.